Welcome to Divorce Dialogues. I'm Katherine Miller. Divorce Dialogues brings expert guests to the airways to talk through your divorce questions and fill in the gray areas about separating. From thinking about divorce, to how to behave during divorce, to what to do after, this is Divorce Dialogues. Welcome to Divorce Dialogues. I'm Katherine Miller, the founder of the Miller Law Group and director at the Center for Understanding in Conflict. And I'm on a mission to change how people divorce and help them divorce with dignity. My guest today in the special podcast edition on coronavirus related issues dealing with divorce, coronavirus, COVID and the careening markets is Michelle Smith. Michelle works with clients providing guidance and expertise from investment details to the broad strokes of philanthropic planning and transfer strategies. In addition, she's also one of the most sought after divorce financial specialists in the country. She's a member of the Institute for Divorce Financial Analysts, a holder of the Certified Divorce Financial Analyst Credential, and a divorce mediator herself. A regular contributor to national and financial media, Michelle is co-author of the book, Divorce in Your Finances, written for Wachovia Securities Financial Advisors. Before starting Source Financial Advisors, she was co-founder and director of Family Wealth Mediation at Alexandra and James. Welcome, Michelle. It's a pleasure to have you back on the show. Thank you. Hi, Catherine. How are you? I'm holding up. Holding up. So, you know, there is a lot to think about and a lot for us to talk about in the half an hour that we have together. Right now, how do you think that divorcing people should think about their investments in the context of their divorce? Well, I think they have to think about them exactly how they would think about them as married people. Okay, this is a temporary decline. While we haven't experienced COVID before, we've experienced dramatic one-day, one-month, and six-month drops. I mean, 9-11 was the closest thing to the feeling of this, right? That was a terror attack. Our very safety and our very economic system was shut down temporarily. Nothing like a worldwide shutdown, of course, but, you know, that was the closest one in feel. But the markets were closed. We haven't closed yet. We've only had a couple of temporary circuit breaker timeouts, right? The market was sent to its room, just like we're all being sent to our room. So I think that you have to look at this as, okay. We've got something that's declined in value, and as opposed to maybe, right, it depends on how you were splitting your investments. If you're splitting them down the middle, so you're splitting them down the middle in a decline, you're not fixing a dollar amount, so what's the difference? If you got divorced in December at the market's high, and let's just say you got $500,000, right, and it was worth five hundred, dollars well, now it's worth four hundred. dollars so you got it in December and it was worth five. On paper, it's now worth four. It's sort of the same thing. The nuance comes in. If you're getting divorced now, is it fair to say imputed income should be based on the lowest print of an account value that we've had in 12 years? So to your point in the beginning, or when we talked, I should say, this calls for creative calculators, this calls for critical thinking, and this calls for what are the options we can put on the table knowing that we're at a low point in assets, knowing that it will not stay at this point. It will not stay at this point. So how 
can we look at this and structure options for people knowing that there will be a recovery at some point? So I can imagine, you know, it's really interesting when you say at 9-11, we worried for our safety. I think we're worrying for our safety now too, right? And we are. Really, I mean, so we're based in the New York area. There are a lot of similarities. It feels like a lot of similarities. If you're based somewhere else, it might not feel exactly the same threat, the same personal threat. So it's a really interesting thing because I think that anxiety and fear is kind of malignant, right? So if you're anxious about one area of your life, then it's really easy to get anxious about another area of your life and it doesn't it doesn't stay within the boundaries of the area that you're worried about. But so I can imagine people thinking, well, you know what, I'm really unhappily married, but I just can't afford to get divorced. What do you think about that? That's up to you. <laughs> That's up to you. I mean, if you stay married right now, okay, you're going to have to make some adjustments to your life. And depending on the composition of your assets, no matter who you are, you're right. Real estate appraisals, anything dated pre three one twenty, throw them out the window. Maybe the house sale now is way deferred. Maybe that actually helps people that we're arguing to put something on the market now. Maybe we have to really be in this and say, okay, what are we doing with the second house that we are not selling anytime soon? It almost oddly put people on the same page with some of the things that were polarizing is what I'm seeing. Or it's my job and your job to remind them that this is now an in it together solve, right? There was never a better time for mediation and financially neutral solutions than now. You can't do anything in court. You can't do anything in litigation. What are you going to do? Scream in your closet alone? So it's time to say, okay. If we cannot sell the real estate, what are we doing about it? Great. Now, maybe bucket and bracket these areas where there was such dissonance and diversity of approaches. It sort of was the great equalizer for a lot of things that were paralyzing couples. Now they have to work with themselves and with us to say, we got a whole new ballgame here, right? So I'm looking at it and saying, we need an interim rescue plan we need an interim re that this is why you should keep your discussions moving if you still want to get divorced if you're now back together because you physically had to be to see your children to not alienate right depends on who you are if you still eventually really want to get divorced and this didn't make one or both of you say wow maybe we'll put this on hold not for money but for our relationship then there are ways to move this forward with interim rescue plans, the plan B, right? It's like when Sheryl Sandberg lost her husband and her friend said to her, well, I'm sorry, you can't have plan A, you need plan B. Well, yes. we just can't have plan A on any draft agreement that you did in January or February. We don't have a choice for plan A anymore. So what's plan B? So there are so many dialogues and discussions that can be happening right now when we've got nothing else to do anyway for plan B. And that plan B can have time periods around. Time period one, now until September. Time period two, when we get back to normal, whatever that is, we can be doing this with people now and should be. Yeah, I think you're, what you're saying is really interesting that, that, I mean, there could even be, as I'm listening to you speak, plan A, B, and C, 
Right, because you're talking about chunking it up in terms of time and chunking it up in terms of decisions. So maybe people decide, you know, we're not going to be in this together for the long haul, but we need a emergency plan that allows us to make a plan going forward that has us eventually coming apart, you know, hopefully in a way that saves us money and allows us to use our resources together to get us both what we want and of course to our children. And that we also think about things that we disagreed about, maybe we still agree that we wanna get divorced, but maybe things that we disagreed about now, given the circumstances we do agree about, that, that it doesn't, yeah. we don't have to keep fighting about the same issues and maybe when to put the house on the market or where to send our child to college. You know, those different kinds of things could be really reevaluated without having to be like, oh, now I love you again, right? Or now, right? Absolutely. Like, and I think that it's more nuanced than it might have seemed, you know, two months. Yeah. And I think right now, not only are we having a global reset, we're having a personal financial reset on what matters. Let's face it, if anyone isn't cleaning their closets right now, seeing the obscene amount of clothes and shoes they have that they haven't worn in five years, haven't looked around their house at the excess, the stuff we accumulate, the stuff we think is important, the stuff we can't live without, like there's a financial, personal financial reset happening that I don't know, is the formal marital standard of living applicable anymore? What, or at least for what, for what time being, because it really does make you really think what's important. It does. And this gives people the opportunity, you know, it's time to step off of posture of what was. And I think that people in divorce situations have this natural tendency to want to know, especially when they're in mediation, what would court do? And in fact, it's our job to give them that backdrop of what would court do when they ask us, well, what would court do now? Who knows? Court's not even there. Yeah. So like, what would court do? We're not going to know that for a year. New case law, maybe on marital standard of living or what comes down the pike or what. So guess what? People have an opportunity right now to not feel like they made a stupid deal by doing something creative. As long as we, and particularly you and other attorneys who really want to work collaboratively in a mediation say, we are going to make an interim rescue plan that will not prejudice you long-term. We just don't know what long-term looks like. And maybe this gets people off a whole lot of arguments if lawyers can pivot and flip the script, not on what court would do, but what can we do in the interim where nobody feels like they said or agreed to anything stupid without prejudice? Yeah, this I think it's really- job right now. I completely agree with that. And I think it's really interesting because I think that what would happen in court question is a normalizing question. Like what's the, what's the, what do, what do people do with this situation? How is this handled? Cause I don't want to feel like I fall outside the norm. And, and now there is no norm. And, and I think when you say what would happen in court is, you know, we're going to be faced with the humanity of judges trying to figure out what would I have done in that situation, right? If I, what would I have done given the constraints and my understanding of the law and the case law and the statute and all that? But, and, and to the extent that all of us can be fairly human about this if, with help, if, especially if we get the help of our lawyers, our mediators, our financial advisors to really try to do the, the, the right thing to deal with our children and deal with the threats and deal with our finances during this period of time, 
I think that's what courts are going to reward. I really think that because it's unprecedented and there's no way. I say this, I say this to clients every day. What do you think will happen with this? I don't know, but do the best you can so we can make an argument that that was your best effort to be the best yeah. person you could be going through this. Yeah. And, and again, I think to the extent you can legally make a plan and get people to agree without holding on to now very quickly outdated postures of, well, that would never happen. I mean, I shouldn't be agreeing to a 70-30 split on expenses when I don't make 30% of the income. Well, right now, if you want to get divorced, then we have to do plan B with a plan C down the road. And to the extent that Catherine Miller can protect her client or clients, against prejudice, that's what can happen here. So the worst conversation you can be having with yourself right now is I'm not going to do anything until everything gets back to normal because I'm not agreeing to a reduced anything. Well, how do you know when this is going to end? I saw stats on New York City real estate yesterday morning that I shared with you that were mind-blowing. A projected further 25% decline in real estate prices in New York City over the summer. We already went down 25%, right? Yeah, what are crazy. we gonna do about the multi-million dollar house? What are we gonna do? We're gonna get creative on an interim basis. And, and, deal, and have a contingency plan. We often have a contingency plan down, oh. and we're gonna have to have a contingency plan that goes up. Absolutely, instead, and where we, where we as financial professionals and divorce and lawyers used to say, we don't want you tied together going forward. Well, guess what? Now it might be in everybody's interest to be tied together going forward with some structure that doesn't make it feel like accountability to each other forever. But guess what? If there was ever a time for, we can't just say we're untying you now forever if you want to get divorced during this avalanche. But maybe. We have to stop saying we can't keep you tied together. We can reasonably. We can insert people like me, like accountants and little people to be the ones as the go-between so you don't have to have this accountability with each other. I know you and I share this. Yes, this is personally devastating. This does feel like 9-11 on the very, very, very real feeling of life or death, actually. We all looked at the TV, even if you weren't in New York that morning, wondering where the next plane was going to tank into, Pennsylvania, Washington, where was it going to be next? I think a lot of people in this country had that feeling. Well, here it is again, our two worst fears, dying and dying, running out of money. It doesn't get worse. This is hitting core, basic life and death issues. And we can help people through this with creative solutions. And I know you and I are waking up every morning busier than ever trying to solve these problems in a really solid way now, which you know what, Catherine, we may just be able to transform how people really divorce permanently now. This might be the moment. I really hope that's true. You're listening to Divorce Dialogues. I'm Catherine Miller, and this is a special podcast only episode of Divorce Dialogues focused on managing divorce in the coronavirus era. Please subscribe to the podcast for similar episodes in the coming weeks and feel free to share this episode and those. I'm talking today with Michelle Smith about divorce and finances. And Michelle, how should people who are really relying on their portfolio to pay their bills, should they be panicking now? Should they be out there? 
uh, looking for a job, if that's even possible, what should they be doing? Well, not if they did their financial planning. I mean, this temporary drop should not have altered the 30-year or 40-year sustainability of your assets. If you were diversified, if you had cash on hand for 6, 9, 12, 18 months of expenses, most people aren't 100% equities. Most people aren't. But if you were, you got a problem, right? If you weren't, which most people aren't, right? You're okay on a long-term basis. So, right, this whole vague concept that you've heard come out of my mouth for a decade of a sustainable rate of withdrawal versus an investment rate of return, that's why I use a withdrawal rate, not an investment rate of return. Because right now, it's pretty negative in the double digits. Okay, you so I think you need to slow that down and say it in English, because I, I think okay. I got what you were saying, but like just so for other people who are our listeners. Okay, so if you're 55 years old and we can't kill you on paper at age 85, when maybe the actuarial tables say, we've got to assume run my financial plan until age 95. That's a 40 year time horizon from now. You have to take an amount out of your portfolio every year. If your portfolio is your paycheck, if that is one of your sole sources of income, you have to take an amount annually out of your portfolio that matches a safe rate of withdrawal based upon your age. And that safe rate of withdrawal is 3%-ish if you need your money for 40 years. It's 4%-ish if your lifespan is 30. It's four and a half, right? That rate of withdrawal knows that in 2019, stocks made 34. We didn't let you take 34% of your portfolio last year. Guess what? We made you take four. Why? We knew we had a bank, the extra 26, for moments like this. So a sustainable rate of withdrawal knows that there will be up 30 years and there will be down 30 years. And how unbelievable it is it, is it that within four months, we just saw that happen, an up 30 and a down 30 from the high. If your sustainable rate of withdrawal was targeted based on your age, based upon a diversified portfolio, your withdrawal rate this year in this market should not matter. But word to the wise, if you and your advisors do not have and have not had 12 months of your expenses liquid and available, Knowing that your portfolio is your paycheck, you better get that liquid now so you know that you don't have to go into your portfolio for the cash you know you need. This is if you don't have a paycheck or alimony or child support is about to end, you better have 12 months of cash on hand plus an additional 5% just because. This is the time we see these sound financial planning principles in action and they work. I think what you're saying is because if you have all that, then you can afford to ride this out. You can afford to ride out the bottom of the market and have it come back and make some decisions at a better place than, oh my gosh, I need to pay the mortgage, so I've got to cash out at the bottom. I mean, the average time it takes the market to bounce back, the stock part of the market, the average time it takes to bounce back in an apocalyptic quick drop like this is three to four years. So if you've got your cash, If you've got your bonds, if you've got your diversity, and you're still making, by the way, dividends off your stocks, unless they 
all the dividends go away, right? If you're still making income from part of your portfolio and you have a year's worth of your expenses liquid, you can ride this out for two years waiting for your stocks to come back. And there may be points along the way where those stocks have a couple good months. It's likely. Yeah, that makes a lot of sense. I'm Catherine Miller. You're listening to a special podcast episode of Divorce Dialogues based on managing divorce in the corona era. And I hope that you'll subscribe to the podcast if you find this interesting. I'm talking today with Michelle Smith about divorce and finances, uh, given the pandemic and the careening from financial markets. And Michelle, if people are interested in learning more about you and what you do, how can they do that? Well, they can email me at msmith at source, F-A, F-A, Frank, Adam.com. They can call me, 917-539-2117. You know, yes, I'm busy during the day, but we all got a lot of time on our hands. So feel free to reach out, ask me questions. I, you know, I know you know I say this, Catherine, a lot of times to women that there's never a dumb question. There's only clarifying questions. You know, this is the time to ask the questions that you need clarification on. And there's nothing dumb in this moment. Everything is on reset. Everything is up for different ways of looking at it. So ask your clarifying questions email me, call me, call Catherine, call anybody you know that you trust that knows what they're doing with money, with divorce, and run your questions by them. There's really good people out here right now that want to help couples and help people be secure with decisions they make. If I just invested my divorce settlement last year at exactly the wrong time, there are rescue plans available with people who know what they're doing. I think that's really important for people to hear that there are rescue plans available. Even if you didn't have 12 months of cash, even if you didn't do all those things that you're saying people should have done and should have thought of and should have had that in place already, even if you didn't do that, there is something that can be done. It's hashtag path forward, folks. It's hashtag portfolio path forward. Look, you'll never make the same mistake again. So if you're feeling like you did something and made a mistake, or you weren't paying attention to sound financial planning principles, this is the time. You'll never do that again. So get it solid now. Get it solid now so this never will happen again. And more often than not, there is a way out of a portfolio mistake. There just is. I'm doing this 30 years. I've never not had a solution. There's always a path forward. That's really reassuring. So let's circle back in our last few minutes, Michelle, to the idea of divorce in the corona era. And, and I think that, you know, sometimes people think that when they're talking about creative solutions or working together, that there's some kind of weakness in that. That somehow working in mediation or collaborative law or negotiating, instead of just whacking upside the head with a stick, is makes the people vulnerable. And what do you I know you have so much experience working in all of these different process areas. What do you think about that? Is is collaboration weakness? Only if you think it is. You get to decide that. It's actually a massive strength. People that know how to work together, the strongest teams in America are the strongest management teams that collaborate, right? I, I call it four boxes, right? There's a leadership scale of four boxes, which by the way, is also personal. You have to have an equal amount of these four things to be a good human being and a great leader. Courage, curiosity, humility. Now I conveniently forgot the fourth. 
It doesn't matter. <laughs> I'll remember it. You need to be curious. You need to be open-minded. You need to collaborate. This is a weakness. It's easy to get into fights. It's easy to blame other people. It is hard to sit down and work something out together. You know, and I, I don't know about you, but I'm finding this very interesting thing happening with couples and video conferences right now. They can't interrupt each other because when you <laughs> interrupt each other on a video conference call, the audio gets choppy. This is making people listen to complete sentences and thoughts without jumping in and cutting off. That is really interesting because that is something that I think people, my experience is that people who are getting divorced have a very hard time doing it. This is when I was getting divorced. It was hard for me to listen or wait till the end of the very wrong thing my ex-husband was saying. So I'm, I'm coming from this from a personal understanding. It's really hard to let somebody who you really disagree with finish. And yet it's important for people to feel heard. And that even if they're really wrong, that they do not feel heard, we will not get anywhere. No. And this is, you know, what an opportunity. I always, you know, I coach people that they need to drink a glass of water when their spouse is answering a question or expressing a thought because you can't talk if you're drinking water. So now we have this opportunity. I mean, I would encourage people just to learn how to be better communicators. Have Zoom meetings with your lawyers and your financial people. It makes you listen and take things in differently. This new emerging skill set called listening is magically transformative. It's really true. And it doesn't make you weaker. It doesn't it just oh, because you let you heard strength. what the other. Yeah, I agree with that. Such and a I, strength. It really does. Right. All right. In our last uh, minute or so, Michelle Smith, do you have any final words of wisdom for our listeners? Don't be frozen in your life right now. Don't be frozen. We have a responsibility to ourselves, our children, the economy to not be frozen. It doesn't mean be tone deaf if you're a business and you want to sell things. But guess what? Now's a pretty good time to keep the economy going however you can by selling what you have if it's good, by buying the gift cards to the restaurants that you will go back to, by moving forward with professional services. We have a responsibility. Don't look at the TV and feel as powerless as you may right now. We can have our own version of forward movement that is not tone deaf, that's actually flip the script and call it pitch perfect. How can we be pitch perfect in our lives right now, with our money right now, and how can we contribute? We have a responsibility not to freeze in fear. It is the time to unfreeze a little bit. It feels super scary. None of us know, and it's very hard to measure uncertainty. You can measure risk. You cannot measure uncertainty. Marry that with this powerlessness feeling, and it's a recipe for being frozen. Find little daily ways to thaw out. The country depends on it, frankly. I think those are great words. Thank you, Michelle Smith. It's been a pleasure having you as a guest again on Divorce Dialogues. Thank you, Catherine. <laughs>